So uh, if you have your phones, how many of you guys have your phones with you? Awesome. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can open the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, all of our sermon notes from every uh, single Wednesday is on the YouVersion app. Um, All you have to do to find the notes is uh, open your app. Bottom right-hand corner, there's three lines that says more. Tap more and then go to events. Um, And then the events that are local in our area will populate and then tap on um, Bethel Youth and then make sure to save that event and then you can access those notes anytime that you want to. There's also links to register to LCYC or Youth Discipleship and so you can kind of get a shortcut that way. Um, So we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Philippians and uh, I want to kind of just present a scenario to you. Um, something that we encounter as um, human beings um, is that not everybody sees everything the same way that you do. Have you guys ever experienced this? Where you, you view uh, something one way and then maybe a friend or your parents or something like that, they view that same topic, issue, or thing from a different perspective. You guys ever experienced this? Yeah, this doesn't really happen in politics in America, though. Like, that one we kind of all see eye to eye on. There's usually never any debates around politics. Yeah, we're so united as a nation in that, in that sense. Um, but it's interesting because not every person has um, the same values or convictions as you. Uh, you may disagree on the importance of a certain topic or issue, um, and the, the reality is this is inevitable. Um, we are all created uniquely, and we, have, uh, we all have to kind of different life experiences that cause us to think a certain way. And so, with that being said, the question becomes, how do I work through disagree- disagreements if I can't avoid them? Uh, What do you do when you don't get along with somebody? And thirdly, as Christians, is there a different way that we approach these situations? So if we're going to encounter disagreements just as a human being, is there a different way that we approach those disagreements as Christians? Um, This is what our text is going to be talking about tonight, and those are some of the questions that we will be answering tonight. And so Maisie is going to come. She is going to read our text. So if you would stand with us, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and we will be reading out of the New International Version. Therefore, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. I plead with E and I plead with S to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Awesome. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So if you were to read that verse over and over again, kind of maybe underline some reoccurring thoughts and words and themes, something that you would, uh, the conclusion you'd probably come to is this. Personalities may clash, but unity is always the goal. Personalities may clash, but unity is always the goal. Um, we, we find in this passage that, Philippian, that Paul encourages the Philippian Christians to be unified and to stand firm in that unity and to work for unity. And first we see uh, the first word in verse 1 is what? Did you guys, do you guys remember what it is? You, just, you got it. Who said it? 
therefore. Is that what you said? All right, so the first word in our text is this word, therefore. Does anyone know what therefore means in our text? Does anyone know what, um, what we should do when we read the word therefore in the Bible? Does anybody know? Like a real question for you to answer. Does anybody know? Could you turn this mic up just a tiny little bit, Josh? I'm so sorry. Anybody else? Or anybody? Therefore? I'm so glad you're asking the question because I'll tell you. Um, Here's the thing. The therefore, there's this adage. You have to ask the question, what is is the therefore, therefore? So we see a therefore in a passage. We need to recognize what is being, what is about to be said. What is about to be said is connected to what was just said. And so the word therefore is a connection. A therefore is a setup for a conclusion, a remedy, remedy or explanation of what was said previously. So I want to give you just a brief example of a therefore statement. Most pop is full of sugar and includes ingredients that are not good for your body. Therefore, you should either limit how much pop you drink or don't drink pop at all. Okay. Yes, the dental assistant hygienist uh, will say amen to that. Um, But do you see how the therefore was used in that sentence? Did you guys catch it? So we made a statement saying that pop is not the best thing for you. Um, It has a lot of sugar and some ingredients that aren't good for your body. Therefore, and then we brought a conclusion to that statement. We said either you should not drink it or you should limit the amount that you, um, that you drink. So it's kind of bringing a solution to how pop can be bad for you. So the question then is, what is the therefore in our text there to accomplish? So in this letter, Paul has a central theme around togetherness. And this is echoed in the beginning of chapter one and in chapter three. So in chapter one, the theme of togetherness, it reads like this in verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whenever I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 3, verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there. Jesus will transform our lowly bodies. And so what we see in these few different verses is there's a lot of our, we, and together statements or words in these verses. There's this emphasis on the importance of pursuing Jesus within the context of unity in the church. And we ended chapter three last week with a reminder that as a Christian, your citizenship is first in heaven and that your conduct should match your citizenship. And so to answer our question earlier, what is the therefore in our text there to accomplish? It's there as a, as a setup to show a practical example of what needs to be done to bring unity in the church in Philippi. 
So let's begin to break down this example of how unity is to be applied in their context. So what we're going to do is we're going to read verses 1 through 3 again, and then we're going to break it down. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be in the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clements and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. So Paul, what, what he's doing is he's addressing a disagreement between these two women. Um, we don't know many details about what was going on and what dispute they might have been having. Uh, we, like I said, we don't know the topic, but we do know that there is some sort of tension between these two people that Paul is addressing. And since the letter was addressed to the church, um, it can be easy for us to think that Paul is maybe shaming these women or calling them out as like a, quote, example to the rest of the church. Uh, don't be like uh, Euodia and Syntyche. Don't be like these women. Don't live like they're living. Um, so, but if we were to give Paul the benefit of the doubt, the issue between these women were probably uh, was probably so public and out there that it wasn't hidden. And so since it was public, Paul addresses this tension publicly. And we know that this probably isn't a, a, a form of public shaming because of the way that Paul introduces this issue. I don't know if you caught this. In verse 1, it says, my brothers and sisters. And the original language um, suggests that Paul is viewing them as literal family members. This is not just a term of an endearment, but it's a, it's a phrase of deep commitment. Also in verse 1, he says, You whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. So you can see by the way that Paul is introducing this tension, you can tell that he's not shaming them. Like he's wanting to bring a resolution to these women. These women were also co-workers of Paul in the gospel because of what he says in verse 3. He says that they have contended at his side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and others. They were co-workers. Um, and you can see Paul's love for these people, specifically these women. He cares about them, and he wants to find a resolution to the tension that they are experiencing. Um, like I said, we don't know if the, what the tension was. We don't know if it was a theological issue. But most scholars believe that this tension was actually a clash of personalities. How many of you guys have ever had a clash of personalities with someone before? You just, you just did not vibe together. It just, no matter how hard you tried, it just did not seem to work out. This is kind of what's happening right here. Um, so whatever the issue is, Paul calls them in verse 2. He says to be of the same mind in the Lord. And he says that because they are both, they are, they are both saved, they are Christians, that they are, their citizenship is in heaven, that they are sisters in Christ, and therefore they are to be of the same mind. But here's the question, what same mind is Paul referencing? He is referencing their citizenship in heaven, but there's something else. So let's go back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. 
Uh, Paul says this, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So we can see here that Paul has laid out in an earlier chapter of what it means to be united in one mind. He says that you are to, your, a believer's mind is to be united in humility. The call is for the believer not to view themselves as the most important person. Why is that? Why are we not to view ourselves as the most important person? Because this is not the message that we get on a daily basis, is it? We receive a message of how we are to focus on what we want, what we need to accomplish what we want, and to put other things on pause, put other people on pause so that we can hustle to then achieve our goals. And this is contrary to what Jesus calls the believer to do. Paul reminds the believer to live in humility and think of the example of Jesus. If you were to read into chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, he reminds these believers of what Jesus has done for them. He reminds them of Jesus, who was God in the flesh. He reminded them that Jesus came to the earth, he humbled himself, and he served people who could be viewed as, quote, lower than him. But he didn't stop there. He lived a perfect life. He gave himself as, he gave his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. He took upon himself the wrath of God for our sins so that we could experience a full life with God through faith. And when you've been saved from the penalty of your sin, you are adopted into the family of God. You receive a citizenship of heaven. And that family, that citizenship means that the family operates differently. We are to treat those in the family of God differently. There will be unity when you fight to love, value, and do what's best for one another. Your family or or those who, who feel like your family are the people that you love the deepest. But unfortunately, something that happens with the people that we love the deepest, sometimes the people that are closest to us, um, we don't always love them well. We don't always respect them. We don't always approach them in humility. Um, And oftentimes, the people that we're closest with can be the people that we fight with the most. And like we talked about in the very beginning of the sermon, there will be disagreements. Just because you become a Christian and you give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sin and you're you're adopted into the family of God, that doesn't mean that you will never disagree with anyone ever again. That would be amazing, but that's not what happens. But do you look at what the posture that Paul has? But what if you didn't see people as an obstacle in your way? What if you saw people as a person who is created in the image of God and you desire for that person to be loved and to be served? What if we were to view people that way? What if we were to view people not as an object that will get in the way of the goal that you want to achieve, but as a person created in the image of God that deserves your love and to serve them? And friends, this is a, this is a sermon for me as well. 
I need to have this in the forefront of my mind. Um, in our text, we see Paul pleading with these women to remember the basis of their relationship with one another. Verse 3, Paul invites my true companion to help these women resolve their disagreements. He wants them to bring this other person into their tension to help them resolve the issues that they are facing with one another. What if we were not to grab other people to gossip about someone, but to grab another person to help resolve an issue or a tension that you have with someone else? To have that person remind each person that they are both a citizen of heaven, a part of the family of God, and we are called to be unified. The application of this text for us is the same. Remember that as believers, we are to be of one mind in Christ, remembering what he has done for us and serving one another. I'm going to close with reading Ephesians chapter 4 and give us our big idea, and then we're going to go to our small groups. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I want to leave you with a big idea and then we'll go to small groups. Personalities may clash, but unity is always the goal. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into our small groups. We're going to um, answer some questions, respond to some questions to hopefully... Um, maybe uh, uh, solidify these themes and these topics in your mind and also bring a, sort of an application to these different things. So we're going to go into our small groups. Um, they're broken up this way. Guys are in the back of the room. Girls are in the front. High school is on this side. Um, uh, middle school is on this side. And um, your small group leader will dismiss you when you are done.